Well, here we are back again. I keep telling them you, you can't leave that gate where I could gnaw my way through it because the goats get out and the two old goats are back. Hello again. I'm Bill Gray. And John Chapman. And he's right there. I can see him, which is a rarity. Well, it is February everywhere we go that uh, we have heard about Black History Month. South Carolina has uh, an interesting black history. Um, I was, uh, are you familiar with the Denmark Vesey? Uh, yes, um, there's a statue of him in uh, Hampton Park. Yep, that, um, that his, uh, the problem that they had with that young man was that, that they said he thought about a revolution but he was caught before they did it, and they hanged him anyway. Of course. And I was kind of thinking, like, hmm, did anyone else start a revolution and got caught? Hmm. Just, just something they, to think about. I, they I throw didn't that. Get hanged. Yeah, I don't. No, they, no, they didn't. They, they got uh, no trespassing, is what they got. But, uh, I mean, I, I guess it was a different time. It would be how you interpret it from them. To go back to South back to South Carolina in the early days, depending on where you look, anywhere from 60 to 90% of African Americans can trace their ancestry back to the port of Charleston and <clears throat> the slave market there. At um, something else about that that I that I'd never thought of until I was reading through it. Did you know that Sullivan's Island at one time was referred to as um, the Ellis Island of slavery? Now that I didn't know. Yes, Sullivan. That was surprising with Sullivan's Island, and um, that. Apparently, the ships there in Gadsden Wharf on the peninsula, uh, where they're building the new museum or, or the new museum, and um, interesting that uh, anywhere from sixty to eighty percent, depending on on what source you look at, and they are estimated between a hundred thousand and two hundred thousand. Uh, slaves were brought through the port of Charleston. So um, that is something to think about. Back in the day, did you know that there were more people of color in South Carolina and and whites were only about 45% of the population? That I can believe. And unfortunately, the ones that were not white were not uh, free. But uh, that has changed a, a bit over the years, at least the um, demographics currently. But the latest census, 68% white, 26.7 African-American, 1.9 Asian, and 0.6 Native American. And again, we talked about Gadsden's Wharf in Charleston. Charleston, uh, um, a rich history in South Carolina and Denmark Vesey was from Charleston as well. We go back uh, to one of our earlier shows, and uh, we talked about the Orangeburg Massacre, the 
remembrance of the Orangeburg Massacre is in February. It was February 8th, 1968. Um, the Orangeburg Massacre, uh, that is Orangeburg as in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Um, it refers uh, to the shooting of protesters by South Carolina Highway Patrol officers on a South Carolina State University campus. Uh, basically, what was going on, the short notes on it, um, there was an effort to integrate the all-star bowling alley. The person who owned the bowling alley did not want to. Um, there is <clears throat> recorded comments from him that he wasn't a racist, that the people that went to his bowling alley were racists. And that's why he uh, would not desegregate. Uh, there was a series of demonstrations. February 5th, a group of around 40 students from South Carolina State uh, entered the bowling alley. The next night, there was another demonstration. Tensions in Orangeburg escalated, is what the story says. St student uh, protesters submitted a list of demands for integration and eliminating uh, discrimination. The reply from Assembly Street, Governor Robert McNair called out the National Guard, commenting that black power advocates were running amok. Over the next two days, 200 mostly black students gathered and demonstrated, and there was a bonfire on February 8th. Uh, at that bonfire, there was an alleged provocation and the highway patrol opened fire on the crowd. Three men were killed. In 1970, the activist Cleveland Sellers was convicted of a charge of riot relating to the events. He served seven months in the state prison, getting time off for good behavior. He, at the time, was the national director of SNCC, if you remember in those days, there were a lot of those kind of things like CORE and uh, SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and uh, Cleveland Sellers is um, his son is uh, very prominent in South Carolina. And I'm sorry, his first name slips out of my mind, Bakari but I'm Bakari, Bakari Sellers is also CNN <clears throat> uh, commentator. Now, we talked at the time about um, the Orangeburg massacre, and a, a lot of folks know about the sit-in in Greensboro. Um, I, I was uh, uh, kind of, I, I don't want to use the word astonished, but astonished possibly is the word, that there was a sit-in in February of 1960 in, in, uh, in Rock Hill. It was called the Friendship Nine or the Rock Hill Nine that uh, they tried to desegregate record, uh, McCrory's lunch counter in, um, in Rock Hill. And it was uh, four black students from uh, North Carolina Agriculture and Tech sat down at a World Wars lunch when, in Greensboro. All of that was going on at the time. And in the Rock Hill, of course, on February 12th, where a hundred students staged sit-ins at various downtown lunch counters. It was a different time 
and uh, um, I don't think we talk about it. Um, it's you know something that um, the governor of Florida feels that it would offend people. Well, Governor DeSantis, I damn hope it does, because well, it very be, well should because it should. Um, you know? And I think if more people knew what the black community knows, that we wouldn't buy in <coughs> to the media, and we would we would possibly come to a semblance of an understanding like the line in The Merchant of Venice when Shylock says, if you prick me, do I not bleed? And, I mean, that's hundreds of years ago. I, I think one of the key things, and this is probably a very trite white thing to say, and as I say it, I say it, Bill, it's a very trite white thing to say. We don't know enough people of other colors to realize that there's not really a lot of difference other than cultural heritage and history. But, you know, we all love our children. We all want an education and a job, um, at least the majority of us. And I'll step back from the, uh, from the moment. I, I do have one more on this line. If um, uh, while I'm on a roll, you'll put up with me that uh, on CNN, uh, you will see reference to uh, Black Wall Street in Tulsa. Um, that was in May and June, and it was a riot in Tulsa touched off by an alleged happening and ended up that um, one of the most bustling communities, black, white, yellow, green, purple, in the United States was burnt to the ground. And um, bombed. And bombed. And, you know, thank you for that. You can tell we've been together a long time because the note I have is numerous eyewitnesses described airplanes carrying white assailants who fired rifles and dropped firebombs on buildings, homes, and fleeing families. The privately owned aircraft had been dispatched from the nearby Curtis Southwest Field outside Tulsa. Law enforcement personnel were uh, thought to be on some of those flights. American citizens bombing American citizens in America. And I was 69 years old before someone said, well, you've heard of Tulsa, haven't you, Bill? And I was like, hmm. I mean, I, I'm sorry, Mr. DeSantos. I, I'm sorry that you feel that there's no good to come from understanding why people feel the way they do. And it was all based on a lie. Well, because the real story was a white woman got into the elevator and the elevator operator was a black man. He was taking her up to the fifth or sixth floor and the elevator had a jump. It stopped, sort of stalled and started back up and she screamed. Mm -hmm. And 
he, she wanted to go back to the ground floor. And so he took her to the ground floor. She goes out of the elevator screaming. And the elevator operator left the same way. He was scared too. Yep. And the story in the newspaper was that he tried to molest her. Yeah. It was yeah. unfounded. It wasn't the truth. But the police had to protect him. They had armed guards keeping him safe yeah. in the jail until the mob got way too big for them to control. But, but, and that was the, what precipitated the whole thing was a lie. But, but you know, not only is it a lie, that it is a lie that perpetuates because well, it's the same thing. In Orangeburg, there was a perceived, they threw a piece of wood at an officer. And like you're saying, in Tulsa, there was a perceived, in the Emmett Till, there was a perceived yeah. that we talked, and I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm going to jump to, the, to a, something that I felt that I just had to say something about. And it, it's, it is similar to this, but there's a joke that every bad story starts with a man from Florida. <laughs> well, I saw a story today, a six-year-old girl from Florida shot her grandmother in the back in the car because the gun was able for the six-year-old to pull it out of the holster, which was um, permitted. Of course, Florida, who knows what the gun laws are. But um, the six-year-old shot her grandmother in the back. We are seeing more and more of this stuff that's not your Donald Trump violent criminals, drug dealers, robbers from Mexico. These are kids that are not aware. I won't even go to the fact of hate because there was no hate here. They just saw a gun. It's like they have on their, on their video game and they shoot their grandmother. I mean, <sighs> Violence, I don't know, I, I slipped off the track, but I mean, it, it's, I'm, I apologize. I, I, well, if it's in the newspaper and it's on the TV 24 hours a day, there's more shootings, uh, already mass shootings in the United States today than there are days in this year. Yeah, well, so remember. we're at what, 30 days or uh, 45 days in the mm -hmm. year and there's like 58 shootings, mass shootings already? Yeah, when we so have, we, sh we don't need to talk about guns because yeah. we've already done guns. Yeah, well, but you know, why are we worried about um, uh, you know mass shootings? I mean, we're worried about balloons. <laughs> I mean, we're concerned that the balloon that they're watching us on, from balloons, and I, that fascinates the heck out of me. Because, yes, they are watching you. They're called Facebook. They're called Google, TikTok, Tinder, whatever app you're on. All of that data is going to, you know, a, a Skyway 
Uh, so, I mean, privacy is just, you know, just stop. But anyway, I'm, uh, I need to pull it back in, John. <laughs> need to pull it back in. Won't a lot be of the talk. the first time you got off on a tangent. Yeah, well, I mean, this guns thing, I mean. <sighs> you can't, there's no place to go there because of the inaction and the cowardice of our elected representatives that are scared to death of the NRA. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Repeal the liability legislation. You didn't do anything with with the second amendment. You didn't tell anybody they had to have this or that or whatever. You just told Remington, okay, you're going to say, buy this gun and it'll make you bigger then you're going to pay for that. And like Corvair did when they had exploding cars, like they're trying to do with Tesla now with this autopilot stuff, as they well should. This stuff is bat poop crazy. <laughs> Letting a damn 2,000-pound vehicle run down the road on a satellite link. What is the matter with us? Well, I mean, you, tell me, well, John. I mean, am I not? You know, am I that old man who says, what is, we don't need a damn automatic car. Walt Disney was predicting that they would be doing that years and years and years ago. I mean, back in the 60s, they were talking about cars of the future. And, you know, you would have airplanes that, personal airplanes that would get you from here to there and stop all the crazy traffic they had back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean... There was an article I saw the other day that that the Jetsons have come true. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the names have been changed, but the Jetsons have come true. Okay. Here's a little thing that's in the news. Uh, train wreck up there in Ohio. Big train wreck. And uh, up there in East Palestine. And there's toxic chemicals involved. Well, all the tank cars, if you see these big tank cars that are manufactured, they're carrying hazardous materials, uh, well. and they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was working, we used to have a huge facility in Chicago. All, if you see their tank cars and they have UTLX on it, that's Union Tank Car. And there's a place now, they make them in, uh, uh, I can't remember, right outside of Houston. Same things. They build these massive tank cars that carry hazardous chemicals. Well, uh, I don't think the tank car is what troubles me. What troubles me is our rail system. Well, it should because it's getting uh, antiquated. uh, They're doing repairs on it, but I think Norfolk Southern has that line. It's crazy the way the system is set Mm up. They own certain tracks, Mm -hmm. and Amtrak owns certain tracks. Mm -hmm. And if you run your train across their tracks, then you have to pay them. Mm -hmm. But it's a a network, it's a spider web all over the country Mm -hmm. of who owns these tracks and everything. And not everyone does their maintenance that they should do properly. So I think this one's going to come down to bad maintenance on the tracks for them to have uh, a disaster like they've had. Now, we don't know what you, uh, the Transportation Safety Board is going to say, mm-hmm. but I bet it comes down to that. Well, the, uh, the upside of it f- for me is uh, Secretary Pete 
is in a position to show how he can put things together. And we may need him in a few years. Well, I like it. He and I'll, I'll campaign for him for a brief second that if he does decide to run for president or wants to run for mayor of your town or governor of your state or whatever, um, he's an interesting gentleman. And I recommend being in the same room with him. That's right. If you are, he has a charisma about if, him. If because I I looked at him uh, when he was running, and I was like, "Is it interesting?" I mean, there's 50 people running. I mean, okay, all right, fine, I'll play. But uh, in my union work, I worked two of his events, and I tell you, there is something about him, and that very same something, um, I felt. Uh, many years ago. And I'll chat about that in a minute because I'm going to miss a handoff that you gave me. And that is about Norfolk Southern. And it was in January of 2005 in Graniteville, South Carolina, that a two Northern Southern trains collided near the Avondale Mills plant in Graniteville. Nine people were killed. 250 were treated for toxic chlorine exposure. And the accident was determined to be caused by a misaligned railroad switch. The train was transporting chlorine gas, sodium hydroxide, and cresol. One of its 192 tank cars floated, loaded with 90 tons of chlorine ruptured releasing 60 tons of gas. 30% of the load was recovered. 30% of the load was recovered. Where did 70% of the load go? In the atmosphere, into the environment. And into the people. Avondale Mills filed suit against Norfolk Southern, claiming the railroad was negligent. Oh, too bad, too bad. They reached a confidential out-of-court settlement. (laughs) I'm sorry. That stuff is just hysterically funny to me. You know, it's like, how much is it going to cost to make you go away? Because we don't want to go in open court and tell people what we did. And also, you know, when they do that, there's no admission of guilt. Yeah, well, you know, I, there there is no guilt to be admitting to. We are just taking the high road to avoid the pain and suffering that may go on ahead of them. Okay, speaking of pain and suffering, Trey Gowdy and Don Lemon got into it. What a Did, pair! That <laughs> uh, apparently, as near as I can figure out. Uh, Mr. Lemon said, I'm just saying what the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home, when a woman is in her prime, it's her 20s, 30s, and 40s, he said. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime and they need to be in their prime when they serve because she wouldn't be in her prime according to Google. And, um, 
Trey didn't like? <laughs> Trey felt that it was one of the most profoundly stupid things that he had ever heard anyone say. And that's what made it very interesting to me because he's heard some very stupid things coming out of his own mouth. But uh, that that was funny. And, of course, for Nikki. People, for people that don't know, Trey Gowdy was our one-term senator from the 4th and 5th oh, District yeah. in South Carolina. Yeah, and Not now, senator, representative. Representative, crazy human being, ranting, wild man. Um, and what about Nikki? And Nikki said... To be clear, I'm not calling for competency test for sexist middle-aged CNN anchors, only for people who make our laws and are 75 plus. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, if she's lucky, she'll be one of those 75 yeah. plus. Okay, let me tell you what Nikki's going to be. Nikki's going to have something in common with Richard Nixon. And what do you think that's going to be? Uh, uh, that she's not a crook? That oh. she, she's going to be the second president to resign. Well, she she's resigned, resigned everywhere else. She, everywhere else. she resigned everywhere else. She resigned on a district. She resigned on the state. She resigned on the UN. She resigned on Boeing. She resigned on who was it next she resigned on? I don't know, but she was the governor. She resigned. And uh, and, uh, and all she, of this on a national guard state national a state guard um officer salary, and she has a five million dollar beachfront home, Kiowa or Seabrook. I'm not sure. She's done well for herself, uh, that little girl from Bamberg, South Carolina. And you know. I think that should be a good place to leave it this week with uh, Nikki Haley wanting competency tests. Now, I, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I just don't. You know, I mean, pot calling the kettle black is the first thing that comes to mind. Well, well you know, it's Nikki. That's a deal. Well, we'll look forward to see what Nikki does. Uh, Tim Scott's in there, too. You know, he's talking about being in there. And I mean, hey, let's bring in, uh, let's bring in, uh, uh, you know, our friend from, uh, from Anderson, you know, let him run for something. I don't know. I mean, see if Blanche could do it. Well, I'll tell you what, old clock on the wall says we're knocking on the door for another week. We appreciate you being with us and uh, look forward to seeing you again. Uh, Bill Gray, we'll talk to you later. And John Chapman, see you guys. <laughs>